Hello, welcome back to the DR Operation Podcast. Uh, this is take two of this intro because Steve had a very punk rock moment. Uh, I am your host, Hunter. Uh, or at My least mom one, just doesn't understand me. At least one of your hosts. Uh, I'm joined by the other two hosts, Handsome as ever, Steve and Rue. How you guys doing? Oh, I'm first. I get to talk. Howdy, partner. And I'm second. I get to talk last. I'm doing great. <laughs> Haven't heard you guys since last year. Wow, and Hunter had a whole bit talking about how Rue is inside of me. Oh man, we've become we just become one century. Yeah, we had, we had this whole per, we had this whole perfect intro going, and then Steve ruined it because he had to talk to his mom. It's okay. We we can we can cut both together. We'll do like an act one. The thing is, though, we we couldn't have left that in because then we would have had to cut your mom a royalty check, and that's just we don't have the funds for that. I mean, Rue's royalty. That is true. I'm I'm about fiftieth in line. Yeah, does, does does the queen get a paycheck? And if so, are those royalty checks? Does the queen get a paycheck? And if so, why is it not coming to us? I'm not sure. Us, but it, us in the United States? Do you think we deserve compensation? No, no, us as in us three. Oh, us specifically. I'm not sure, but it must be weird getting pieces of paper with your face on it. I'd say to be the queen. <laughs> you think she ever like, looks at them like a bad selfie? Like she, she looks at the paper, she's like, oh man, I what was I doing with my mouth? I look so fat. What's going on here? Oh, probably, but she's a, I mean, she's a reptile, so she'll, she'll manage. She's fine. <laughs> Could you imagine having self-image issues and being like the queen? Gosh, that would be the worst. I mean, I couldn't imagine being a queen at all, but particularly one with self-image issues. Anyway, oh, we're, we're, we're drifting up. This is going off the rails. <laughs> this is a, this yes. is a very special episode of the Operation podcast, uh, or at least special to us because we are all music lovers. And during the year of 2019, which, of course, was last year, because we're in the Roaring Twenties now. Steve, go and make a joke. Roar XD. Roar XD, there yeah. you are. Uh, and we listened to a lot of music in 2019, and we thought we'd get on here and talk about some of our favorite albums, uh, maybe some things that disappointed us, or just general things that we thought were noteworthy, because we like to talk about music, and hey, it gives us an outlet to do so. Hell yeah. Um, Wonderful. <laughs> imagine unironically listening to music in 2020. Ugh, it's so fucking 20s. I'm actually contemplating whether or not I want to listen to any music this year, because... For, for those that don't know, which is many people, we've talked about in a couple of the interviews, but I imagine most of you don't listen to the shit we do. You just drift in and out. So uh, I did a challenge in 2019 where I, uh, at the beginning of the year, I started taking down notes of every album that I heard of that came out in the year, regardless of whether I knew it or it was in my wheelhouse or my preferred genres or anything like that. And I was challenging myself to listen to as, many, as much new music as possible and just kind of uh, write about my experience, record it. And uh, I failed miserably. I had <laughs> I had a list of like uh, 200. You took like a month and a half off. I took quite a bit more than that off, especially collectively. Because it was Jesus. just, I, I framed it poorly. Like I just, I, ha- I would have like months of dry periods. And then I would just have like a month where I just listened to four or five albums every day or even more than that. So um, I think all, all said and done, I listened to 121 albums. And I, my list was like 200 and... 38 so i got a little bit more than halfway which is still not bad i mean 128 albums quite a few albums i've listened to Mm. i want to say about i want to say 80 albums this year and my list has about 40 well we're not going to go through the entire 40 no i would i would rapid fire it if anything i'm not going to analyze each of them but uh rue how many how many would you say you listen to i know you weren't quite taking a deep dive into as much as we were yeah i i I never uh, I don't know, like for me to listen to a new album, it, it's generally artists that I'm already interested in. I'm, I'm, I'm quite a bad music consumer in that sense. Um, but I would say in terms of 2019 releases, um, probably about 
fifth between fifteen and twenty, I would say. Wow, what a failure! I mean, that's like an but album every two weeks. Yeah, so you know, it gave me time to digest it. I, I can't. I'm not one of those people who can just listen to an album only once and have an opinion. Like, I need, I need to digest it. But like, I, what I, with me, what what changed that? Because I start, I did the kind of similar challenge to Hunter in 2017. There's this episode, no, not this episode. There's this uh, website I frequent called SputnikMusic.com. And um, and they don't sponsor us unless you want to give us money. Then they 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 can't sponsor us. Uh, but I go on there and I see like on the front page they usually like the top the like top trending reviews for albums. And then I go on it and I see like what the rating is. I see what the genres are. And I kind of briefly read the review and I see if it's kind of something that like resonates with me. So I used to check that website like once every week. And in 2017, I listened to like 200 something albums because I just listened to so much music. And also, I went really broke in 2017 because every album that I enjoyed actually went and bought physically. Yeah, I I was a bad consumer in that in that sense because I just I streamed them all on Spotify. So that's before I started using streaming though. Like I just got title on like the tail end of 2017 and it made life easier. But like for the most part, if it's an album that seemed interesting to me, I would go out and buy it. And I was pretty like good, honestly. Out of every album that I bought in 2017, uh, maybe only one or two are albums that I actually didn't like. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, there's something about listening to albums based on reading reviews that I don't really, I don't really get. I think if you're gonna read random people's reviews on a website, it's it makes it a bit more, it makes it a bit arbitrary. I think, I think if you're recommended it by a person who you know has a cool taste in music, it's it's different. I think there's a good middle ground of like finding reviewers that you that you know have similar tastes to you, and then kind of using their sensibilities to supplement your own well see the thing is is like but you should also take it with a grain of salt like there's i don't take fantano's reviews with anything more than like a quarter of a grain of salt like uh, his reviews don't really mean anything to me if anything there's like entertainment um and i don't even watch really the needle drop but like these reviews i basically would just look at it i'd see how people describe an album and i'd see kind of the feedback in the comments between everything and just like after looking at it for a bit it's just like okay this seems like something to be up my alley and that's how i discovered bands like sufferer and things like that like those awesome albums that I adore nowadays. Hmm. Yeah, I guess there's a middle ground. Well, I, I, I tried to, I tried to go in this as blind as possible. Like I tried not to feed into too much um, consensus around an album before I listened to it. I tried not to kind of take my own well with that. So I tried to, as soon as I heard about it, kind of cut myself off from the Discord um, or discourse. And that's how you find the hundred gecks. And well, I mean, of course, I, there were some that were inescapable, like like a hundred gecks and, and stuff like that. Which I think we should get out of the way. Um, some of the albums that we were disappointed by or didn't enjoy this year. And I, I think a hundred gecks is, is a good illustration of that because it's one of those albums that it seems right now you either absolutely loved it or absolutely hated it. So there's a band called a hundred gecks who made an album called a thousand gecks. Um, and it, it, my review is about a, a negative, th- negative a million gecks. Yeah, no, it's not a good album. Goodness, <laughs> it's a meme. Rue, did you check that one out? Um, I didn't, mainly because I, I just saw you two guys on the group chat, basically not saying very good things about it. So <laughs> I, I think you guys did the job for me. We definitely hyperbolized our distaste for it a little bit, but it's. I think when I wrote my little short blurb about it, I, I care like. Um, explained it as a punchline without a joke like it's just i can tell what it's doing it's it's supposed to be silly and it's supposed to be kind of out there and crazy and uh and 
and it's not supposed to take itself too seriously, but there's no setup for the context of the situation. Like I'm not, I'm not enjoying the music and I'm also not enjoying the, the meme or whatever kind of subversion that they're trying to go for. So I just, I didn't enjoy anything about the experience. I thought it yeah. sounded terrible. Like there's albums out there that I would listen to if the music's eh, because like the production value is really, really good and it didn't even meet that. So, I mean, I think we should just get out of the way that we don't like <laughs> Thousand Gex because we want, we want to, the, the line has been drawn in the sand. We need to choose a side. So that's the side that we're on is fuck Gex. So <laughs> you would rate how many Gex out of a thousand would you rate it? I, I gave it negative a million Gex. I think I just did. And also Rivers Cuomo likes that. And if we've heard uh, anything from Teal or Black from Weezer, yeah, no, we're good on that. No Gex. No Gex allowed on Dear Apparition. So... <laughs> Since we get out of the way, we don't we need we don't need to do a whole segment on the albums that we didn't enjoy or were disappointed by. But uh, how do we want to start off what what we did enjoy? Because I, I don't think that our top lists. You you literally just said let's start off with the albums that disappointed us, and then you ranted yeah, about Gex. And, well, I don't want to. I don't want to scare people. I don't want to scare people away with negativity. But I think Gex illustrates my entire disappointment for music this year. So. Um, I have a couple actually. Oh gosh. Um, go on. I have well, first of all, um, by the band Motionless and White, the album Disguise. Uh, I intended to like that album a lot because it was getting people were saying it was really cool and it goes back to their old stuff and their first two albums are some of like my favorite albums of all time and really inspired me as a vocalist um, but then like I listened to the album and it's just like straight up grabbing from other artists like one song sounds like he's trying to be Slipknot another song sounds like he's trying to be Corn, and they did that with the last album too and I think that they're really cool live but when listening to the album it's just like okay well, if I want to listen to Breaking Benjamin, I go to listen to Breaking Benjamin. And spoiler alert, I don't want to listen to Breaking Benjamin. So um, that's kind of my distaste for that album. There's only about a song I'd go back to. And that's what really kind of conflicted me, right? Because for my top list, they're, the albums that made it to my top list are albums that I really enjoy enough to go back to or I enjoyed on my listen. But I didn't really take into effect albums I go back to for one or two songs. And I just can't see myself adding that album to the list because I would not spend like $15 for two songs. Um, what else? I also Ginger, uh, Micro and Macro came out this year. I thought they were cool records. They're uh, the song off of Macro called Judgment and Punishment is a really cool kind of like genty reggae piece. Uh, I really enjoyed that, and I think Tatiana is an amazing vocalist. But it yeah, the uh, record slept a little bit. I listened to Micro, and Micro is a little dull. Like it, it had some good ideas, but it was just the execution was a little bland for I me. I liked eight. I really see things as they're. Two records before that, uh, King of Everything and um, Cloud Factory are pretty cool. But with uh, Micro and Macro, they were like, okay. Um, Macro, like I said, had one track that was very memorable for me. And uh, and Tatiana is an amazing vocalist. Her screams are like ungodly. And her um, and her cleans are just really, really impressive. So I like her. Um, and I think for Disappointment, I, I think uh, Devin Townsend might go on there. That's like a really rich listen. It, really? It takes a... Empath? Yeah, I liked, I enjoyed it, um, and I enjoyed listening through it, and um, I enjoyed myself while listening to it. It's just like, there's so much going on there, and it's just so dense that I really needed to completely clear myself, and I can't find myself just sitting and like passively listening to it in the car or whatever. So going back to that, you know, that would be... Mm. Yeah, um, I'd agree with I, that. I can see that, but I, I really enjoyed that album. I did enjoy the album, but I didn't enjoy it enough to like want to go back to it so many times. I listened to it like twice, and then I'm like, all right, it's a very good album. Like objectively speaking, the um, the production and like the theory and composition is really well done. It's just not something I want to go back to constantly, even though the song Genesis is incredible. Yeah. Um, Tool. Yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, no, it is. But unlike Tool, uh, Fear Inoculum is meditation music. 
I've ranted about it quite a bit. So if you know, if you know me in any of the social circles that I'm in, um, the title track is kind of representative of the whole album for me. Uh, it starts off, you know, with just kind of a simple intro, like rudimentary stuff going on, and then it just kind of loops. The guitar is playing, then comes in with like a little bit of the drums playing some ooga booga type stuff. And then uh, comes like the bass guitar, and then Maynard does some singing over it. Then they diddle, repeating the same part, have some build up, and then they cut it. But the thing is, when they cut the build up, there's no payoff. So it's just like I get, I'm getting blue balled by an album I waited like 13 years for, which sucks because I waited like I think it was 14 years for uh, Eat the Elephant. I thought that album's way better. Um, and I just can't. And when I go back to it, I'm not going to go back. Each song's at 10 minutes plus, and I'm not going to go back to the album for like a minute of a 10 minute song within the middle of the album that I really enjoyed and the rest of it just being eh. um Slipknot 2 Slipknot was just kind of more of the same for me um I really liked the gray chapter but after that I'm just kind of like whatever it didn't really do anything for me um and I think that cover is really all like there's some albums on here that are just forgettable for me but that's not really worth kind of pooping on oh and Sone Sone's the last one well since since we are getting some of our disappointments out of the way I, w- I want to say that we're not <laughs> Well, I, I I have a couple, and if we're, we're going to do the whole segment, but I, I want to kind of preface this by saying that we're not shitting on these albums, and I mean, even though we kind of gave 100 Gex some shit, we're not saying, like, subjectively there bad is. music, or if you like it, there's something wrong with you, or anything like that. It's just things that didn't match our style, or, or that were really hyped up for us, that we ended up listening to and didn't enjoy, so... I mean, there's there's no bad way to enjoy music. Go find what you enjoy and, and go listen to it. So don't don't let us kind of diminish yeah, your opinion of an album, because we're a bunch of hacks. Who gives a fuck with you? Yes, we are. Zone was probably the most weird experience I've had because everyone says, "Hey, if you want to, if you want more Tool and Tool's not making any music, go listen to Zone." And I didn't know that Tool's going to drop an album this year, so I wrote, so I wrote down Zone and I listened to it, and I listened to it with no expectations, and I was still somewhat disappointed. I don't know how that happens, but it did. Um, and the actually the true last artist on here, Opeth. I, me and Hunter were talking about beforehand. How there were some really high highs, but a lot of it was just kind of like, you know, a passive listening experience. Yeah, no, I I enjoy what Opeth does, generally speaking. I'm not even, you know, part of the war against like growls versus non growls. Like I enjoy everything they do, but do the roar. This, this one was just a. It had too much good stuff to excuse the bad stuff. Like they 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 clearly had ideas and concepts that were very very well developed, really cool, and that made it all the more disappointing when you know things that immediately preceded that or followed that were just bland and and dull i don't know it felt like a lot of filler and very little killer but that killer was absolutely slayer so yeah like when i was listening to it when i was um when i was actually editing the uh the cover contest ad um so that was like the music i was listening to and that was like perfect for it and there's sometimes the album where i was really grooving and really enjoying myself and then other times i wasn't and i felt like if i want if i want that kind of opeth the more kind of softer sound i would just go to damnation which i do thoroughly enjoy as far as my disappointments hmm. go unless you have more no that's it for me i, w- I want to hear more about your disappointments uh page with the lion i know is is uh, an artist or a band I'm, I'm actually not sure what their makeup is that everyone seems to enjoy uh their their new album phoenix i was actually quite disappointed with because it had so much praise uh it 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 felt like the longest album i listened to this year when it really the runtime was pretty normal i think it was just it was so kind of boring to me that it felt like that the album was like four hours long. So that one kind of disappointed me. Uh, I could see why people enjoy it. Just I, I don't think it's for me necessarily. Um, Chon, I think I'm not sure if it, it can even be classified as a disappointment because I think Chon just as a band is disappointing. 
I didn't even listen to it. I saw them live opening for between or they no between the Barry me opened for them, and I was texting when I was sitting through the show, and I'm just like, you know, it's cool, but they're repeating the same gimmick, saying like, oh, I want you guys to mosh for this song, or I want to do this or this or this, and it's just at a certain point, I'm like, all right, can you guys just like get with some interesting music, please? Why well, I, I can't help but compare Sean to like their contemporaries right now, and I think their biggest Polyphia. contemporary is Polyphia. Yeah, and Polyphia. I mean, I don't know if they'll stagnate moving forward, but their last album, New Levels, New Devils, was was really, really good. And, and to me, Polyphia represents everything I love about progressive music right now. Like, they're mm-hmm. the direction I want progressive music to go in, just because they they don't just kind of uh, march out old kind of prog tropes and, and just color them as, like, creative. Like, they're actually doing something that other people aren't doing. And it's interesting to listen to, and it flows well, and... I, I think it's a good marriage of styles of genres that typically don't blend very well. So I, I think what they're doing is incredibly important and incredibly entertaining. And Sean, I just feel like has st- they stagnated before they even started. Like they started out, and if you listen to like one thing they do, you know everything, every single thing they're going to do. Well, the thing for Sean also is like Sean, they were kind of like they filled the air of what Polyphia currently is before Polyphia, like when Sean was getting really big around like the periphery three era, cause that's, they went on tour with them. That's kind of got them a lot of their fans. Um, they were up against animals as leaders. And I think Sean was really Sean for me back then. I think that's when their album, I think it, it wasn't homey. It was before that, but um, it was like that there, that album was like really good to work to, but then much like Polyphia, they suffered whenever they added vocals to it. Cause it was just so uninspired and boring. I just, I think even their instrumental stuff is is pretty bland. Like I I think that kind of that style that they're in, they may have gotten into it before it really took off. But I feel like it's just so I don't know if it's because everyone stole Sean's sound or whatever it is, but it's just such a prolific sound now that Sean doesn't bring anything interesting to it to me. Well, they sound like the Instagram guitarists, you know, like the the two fingers on the fretboard style playing. They they do a lot of that kind of stuff. Sure, and and there's a lot of ways you can make that interesting, but it's just for, for some reason every time they start playing, I just go cross-eyed. Like I can't, I can't pay attention. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, another disappointment for me was I'm not sure how to pronounce. It. I think it's Shu Shu. It's spelled X I U X I U. Zuzu, yeah. Um, Zuzu or Shu Shu or something like that. Uh, girl with girl with basket of fruit. This one was super super hyped up for me, and it was I just I don't get it. I, I acknowledge that there's something there that people probably enjoy, but I, I honestly just don't understand the album. I don't understand what the style even is or what it's going for, or if it's doing it well, or if it's doing it terribly. I, it's, it's as close to like listening to someone speak another language as music is to me. Like it just, I can hear what's going on. I just have no idea what any of it means. <laughs> so that was just a personal disappointment. I, it's <laughs> critically acclaimed. It seems to be, so I'm sure it's great. So go listen to it. If, uh, you never heard it. Maybe you'll get it. I just didn't. Um, Ramstein. I'm just. Yeah. I'm tired of pretending I like Ramstein. I'm not in middle school anymore. <laughs> I, I liked a couple singles like from way back when, like like Sona. I really liked. I liked. Um, obviously, Do Haas was a big one for them. Uh, I liked um, America and those kinds of songs, but I can't go back to it. I think just kind of that that um, that dark sound that they inhabit, and the fact that at the time when they were really really getting popular. 
was before the internet was a huge, huge thing. And so everyone was like talking amongst their friends about like translating the lyrics between them and they were dark and edgy and everyone kind of thought that was cool. And it was kind of almost, almost like our little secret code, like, oh, we're listening to this German music that talks about eating people. We're so, we're so cool and edgy. And I'm not saying that's what everyone who enjoyed them was like, but I, I know that a lot of people I knew liked them, including myself, were like that. And I just, I can't pretend anymore. They just, they don't make good music to me. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't really, I don't really like it. <laughs> um, so that was a disappointment just in, in that it reminded me that I don't like Ramstein. Uh, and then King Gizzard, the Infest the Rat's Nest. King they, Gizzard. Have, they made Wizard. so many albums this year and like last year. I think in 2017 they released like eight albums. Uh, they, they've released a lot of albums within the past few years. I don't know exactly how many, but uh, each one's kind of stylistically unique. And obviously they're doing something that's cool because they, they've been making a lot of hit albums. This one was a huge dud for me. I think probably just because it kind of emulated that thrash metal space that I'm so familiar with. Um, it just it sounded to me like a like a a cover band. It sounded like like if I were to go to a bar and while I'm drinking, there's some local band playing yeah. their derivative original songs in the background. That's what it sounded like to me. It sounded like they were familiar enough with thrash metal to duplicate it, but not um, not good enough to you know go anywhere interesting with it. So that that one was kind of a disappointment. Are you familiar with Power Trip? Is that a King Lizard or King Wizard? No, it's a, it's a band. Uh, Power Trip came out with an album, I think it was in 2017, where uh, it they basically got so big because they encapsulated the feel of like old school thrash metal, like early Slayer and stuff like that, while making unique music, and they got bl- and they blew up because of that. And so many people I was talking to listened to it, and I feel like that this King Crim not King Crimson, this uh, King Gizzard King album. <laughs> This this King Gizzard album try to be that except Power Trip did it way better and if you want an album that kind of scratches that itch I do recommend listening to that. I also recommend for for more like modern contemporary thrash I think Havoc also does a lot of re- really interesting things. I haven't followed them in so long. Uh, I I don't know if they're still doing interesting things but I know that at the time I was listening to them probably six seven years ago they were they were doing kind of more interesting contemporary thrash stuff. Um, let's see. Earl Sweatshirts. Uh, he made a really good album mm. last year that I loved. This year it was just kind of boring. Um, Leprous. I was really hoping to like that one because everyone said it was more pop oriented. I just thought it was boring. <laughs> I just can't get into them, man. I can't. I, I don't. I've never really listened to Leprous too much, but usually whenever someone in like the prog sphere says that something's too poppy, I usually love it because I love pop. Um, this one, it didn't sound like pop. It didn't sound like prog. It just wasn't very interesting at all. And then my final disappointments, I'm, I'm skipping over quite a few that I just don't think are interesting, but uh, NF, the rapper, yeah. I've, I've heard I've heard a lot about him from you know, friends at school and things like that who said he's really good and he's kind of got, uh, he's, he's the new Eminem is what I've heard, which that should have been a red flag for me immediately. But uh, his style <laughs> is just, is boring. Like he has that kind of, um, he has that kind of Eminem delivery style where it's like he's he's telling a message with his music and it's not it's more about the lyrics than it is about like the beat or the music behind it or even the structure that's setting up but it's just it's bland and I didn't I didn't really find the things he was saying to be that compelling or interesting or deep or meaningful or introspective and his delivery was just um like someone told him he sounds like the new Eminem and he ran with it <laughs> so that one was a would have been a disappointment for me but that that's about it as far as my disappointments what about for you Rude? do you have any um yeah so in the limited in the limited kind of albums that i listen to there's one that uh, t- to call it a disappointment is a bit strong but i guess it, it didn't I mean, if li- it disappointed you then yeah i mean it, it 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 didn't live up to the 
a kind of nostalgia that I was expecting to feel and uh, that kind of thing. It's uh, Pedro the Lion. Oh, okay. I had that one too. Yeah, I mean, it, I wasn't too too big on it to be honest it's it's an all right album it's a good album but well i'm not i'm not a big page of the lion fan so is that usually what they sound like or they do they usually do the same thing a little bit better or is this a different direction or what was it because this is the first page of the lion i've listened to after hearing people rave about them and it just bored me to tears yeah i mean petra the lion has as an interesting kind of style um i forgot his name is it david Bazan, I think. Bazan. That's a name. B A Z N. Z A N, I should say. Z. 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 It's the right one. The right one. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I kind of the only albums of, of theirs that I'm really familiar with, I'll admit, are Control. And um, the one after that, I think it was uh, Achilles Hill. Um, and they're kind of, kind of plain, plain rock, but it, it's kind of more concept oriented. Um, Phoenix, I don't know. Yeah, it, like I said, it, it it wasn't exactly too different from what I expected, but it it, it still just kind of uh, just didn't live up to it. If that makes sense, I kind of expected it, but it wasn't it wasn't exceeding. I think we were disappointed for two completely different reasons, but I think probably, you know, for the same underlying reasons, which is that, again, for me, it felt like the album was fucking four hours long. Like, I was sitting there waiting for it to end. Because part of my challenge was I had to listen to the album all the way from beginning to end. I couldn't just cut it off because I was bored and didn't like it. Um, and, and that one, I kept checking to see how many songs were left. Because <laughs> it, it wasn't doing anything interesting, and it was just kind of meandering on. And Yeah, I mean, I... Mean, I I understand that to be honest. I I'd be lying if I said I didn't have that exact same experience. Me and Rue are simpatico. All right, well, let's go. Let's get positive. Let's get positive. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to start out with negative, but I suppose it's my fault for framing. No, it's, it that be- way, it's better so. to start negative so we can end on a good note. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. so. Uh, well, let's yeah, let's talk about our favorites because obviously you know it's as we've kind of outlined, we all have kind of a passion for listening to music and talking about music. So our, our favorites are ones that we give very high praise to, if that means anything to anyone. So I was talking to Hunter and Rue before this, and my list is like 40 albums long. Um, some of the, um, the albums I listed under Disappointed were albums. The reason why I mentioned them as Disappointed, aside from Motionless and White, that just didn't even make the list. But um, those albums are kind of albums that I listened to, and yes, I kind of enjoyed myself. And I would argue that they're good albums, but they're not good albums that I would revisit, which is why they kind of disappointed me because they didn't really give me what I was kind of expecting. But, you know, they other listeners liked it, so whatever. But the rest of this list I have that's pretty long, varying degrees of good and not good. It's just like when it came to making a top 10 for me, it's so difficult because like there's so many albums on here that I would like tie, for example, like the fourth place slot or like the first place slot, right? But... It sounds like all together we kind of agreed that our top album looks like it would be the new Billy Eilish. Yes. Yeah, I think that's that's the the biggest intersection of our list is that we all really love the new Billy Eilish album, which as as three kind of uh, grown men, that's that's an interesting album for us all to to really love. Yeah, it's like it's definitely I don't resonate with the mm. lyrics really at all. Um I respect the uh I, I respect the kind of 
not really intimacy, but like the um, honesty that they explore. Um, And I really, I love the production. Isn't the production great? Phineas is... um, For 21? He's a genius. Jesus. Oh my God. Well, I think... I think the biggest criticism I hear about Billie Eilish is that she does this kind of whisper scene. ASMR pop. Um, that, that, people, that people are kind of, um, I, I guess, strawmanning her with, the saying, like, I can't, I, people either are of two minds. They either say that it's, like, horribly derivative of artists like Lord and kind of those, like, pseudo-jazz pop artists, and then trying, like, her trying to make her own thing, and it just comes off as, mm-hmm. like, like, pretending to be deep and kind of... Uh, yeah, I just view it as honest meaningful and I, I didn't get any of that at all i just i think it's just a an yeah aesthetic i mean I, I was i was quite late onto the bandwagon and part of the reason why i initially checked it out was because of that kind of just because of how polarizing it, it she was like that there were people who 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 absolutely loved it and then people who are equally kind of respects in terms of you know their musicianship and stuff who just couldn't get into her Billie Eilish is just she's the she's the newest iteration of yeah. pop artist that's all the all the old heads are are using as a representation for what's wrong with <laughs> music. Like anytime Billie Eilish is brought up in any context, it's oh she has no talent, she's awful. How could you like Billie Eilish? She's awful. But really, if if you listen to her music, it's it's yeah. really good. Like I, like some of the songs have really good beats and and good arrangements in the background and then some are just like uh, when the party's oh, over man. i think it's a really great soulful beautiful track the, the vocal layers on that i'm in this like audiophile group and i regret joining it every time i rejoin it on a new account but the uh and that group's basically filled with just a bunch of kind of like middle-aged dudes that are pretty much like heavily misogynistic and gross it's just it's awful but um when people were talking about billy eilish it was pretty split yeah, some people who just didn't want to give it a, a, a chance because, like, these people are the kind of people where they would they use music to hear their gear rather than using their gear to hear the music. And they were ta- they like they're the only album they listened to like the most recent album they probably listened to is like Sgt. Pepper's. But the uh, but with Billie Eilish, I see a lot of people like getting mixed on that because she's so talented. I don't know if she's as polarizing. I would say as like Twenty One Pilots. Hmm. I'd say they're probably a more polarizing artist, but from what I've seen of Billy, whatever. I think she's more polarizing just because she's a girl. I think the misogyny aspect does play yeah. into it. Uh, which, it which it is does that. gross me out, though. Like, she just turned 18, and people are posting pictures of when she was like 16 and 17 talking about how she's attractive. I'm like, dude, she's a kid. Just leave yeah, her alone, and that's, you know? And that, that's kind of. Um an example of of the way that female pop artists are consumed it's like i mean i I know pop by nature is supposed and music by nature is 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 kind of putting yourself on display for for judgment and for you know people to kind of talk about your music stuff like that when it comes to female artists, particularly female pop artists young ones it the conversation always just hits the same beats of like you know she's she's a hack she's an industry plant she's just completely she's created by corporate interests she and then it and then it turns overtly sexual and and it's people just diminishing her talent her ability mm-hmm. even though if you if you listen to her live performances she is undoubtedly super super talented and yet yeah. you have people out there saying that oh she can't sing her way out of a bag because and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she is a young female pop artist there's a lot of uh, yeah like i don't hear a lot of pitch correction in her music either which is really shocking to me like I really listen to that, and it just I don't really hear much of it. And I think it's also would be kind of hard with how soft she's singing, but her voice is like strongly compressed. And when she does start to project, she has that kind of like vintage, I want to say like fifties female vocalist kind of sound. Yeah, it is. It is kind of a uh, it. 
I mean, it does harken back to a lot of like the the jazz pop artists I mentioned, but it it doesn't seem like it's like taking what they're doing. It's building on it. It's building on artists like Lord and stuff like that, and 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 using new soundscapes to do so. Like if you listen to a song like Zanny, Zanny yeah. is it's it does some really cool things with the sounds that are there. It doesn't. Yeah, I got to talk about Zanny. I was just about to go into that, and uh, I could probably take Rue's hand for a second. Um, and Zanny, I think it's uh, the, the lyrics are I'm caught in the second hand smoke like that bit hmm. um, it, what it, what they're doing is they're arpeggiating her voice but what's so smart about the way they did it is it sounds kind of like you know if you're ever like in a car and you're testing out the EQ in the car to get a sound good and there's too much bass on it and it just sounds really fuzzy yeah, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. and flubby like that's kind of they did that intentionally without it being that kind of without it having that sonic quality they they took her voice and they like and the the producer like arpeggiated it and she had that effect where when the uh when the low end came in and when it let off she was perfectly clear and it's just a really cool effect and they did a lot of really cool stuff with panning and everything just like as a producer and as an audiophile and as a musician there's just so much stuff in that album for me to genuinely enjoy yeah you know absolutely and it's this kind of hybrid of styles as well um like initially like when i went back to listen to a, a kind of ep i think is it don't smile at me or something um yeah like initially listening to that with a hybrid of styles with like you kind of got these trap drums kind of mixing that with a more kind of traditional pop production mm-hmm. and it's it's just i don't know man it it for me it all comes down to phineas i think he's billy eilish is really talented as a vocalist as a singer um as a performer i think in terms of behind the scenes and stuff i think phineas is is the real genius at play yeah i was reading actually some articles about how uh they they recorded her vocals in his bedroom and like it was so small that like you if they extended their arms to kind of like a t-pose they would touch either wall mm. like it was that it was that kind of like a small of a size and he said that in his new house because you know he's a millionaire now from the music that they produced <laughs> but in his house now they're like he doesn't get that same sound when he records her voice. So he wants to go back to his old bedroom in his parents' house to record her vocals. Mm. But it's just like, but sitting, it, it also kind of concerns me how like Billy and Phineas are like basically equal parts in what they're doing. And Billy is way more successful than Phineas from what I'm seeing. Mm. But also it's kind of, it's just like, I feel like that kind of sucks. You I mean, know, that's the, just, that's the nature of the artist producer relationship. It sucks. It, it, it's, it's just like, because he's also like the he does all the music he does like the music live like he does plays guitar and he puts the drums on does backing vocals and everything it, it i don't know it just kind of bothers well, me well i think that's why I, th- I think it's one of the reasons i like it so much is knowing that they're like a brother sister duo it makes it feel like like the two elements are merging in a very like organic way instead of just a good producer coming together with a good vocalist making something good there's this it feels like there's this interplay. Like yeah. I, I imagine during the, the whole production process, it wasn't just him saying, okay, I'm going to produce it this way. And her saying, I'm going to sing this way. I think they probably, yeah. she sang in certain ways based on what he wanted to do production. And he produced a certain way based on what she wanted to sing. And that kind of relationship between a producer and an artist, just it's, it's yeah. symbiotic and it's, you can, you can feel it when you listen to the album. Like not only the vocals just fantastic, but the production lends so perfectly to exactly what she's doing. Yeah. It's the chemistry they've, they've both got. It's, it's great and it's it it's definitely dare i say it one of a kind i think i think it's it's, it's definitely great. one of the most memorable albums from the first listen in fact like i first heard that album on my uh, on my good headphones falling asleep and it's just in a pitch black room mm-hmm. and it was a perfect like soundscape for it 
And it's just an album that you don't really bop in your car, really. It's not like that kind of music. You'd sit there, like a decent pair of headphones, and you just soak it in. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I can bump Bad Guy. Like, I know that's kind of like the, the trope song at this point, but I can bump Bad Guy. The best song on that album for me is Wish You Were Gay or All the Good Girls Go to Hell. Mm. That's, that's mine what are, I got to say. Mine are that. some of the slower ones. I, th- I think this kind of shows, like, what we were looking for in the album. Because the ones that really stand out to me are ones like Zanny and uh, When the Party's Over. Yeah. Whereas with you, it seems like you're a bit more mid-tempo kind of. Yeah. I'll, I'll, those, those well, I wish you were songs. gay. Isn't really that kind of mid-tempo. I don't think. No, but it's it's not like like um, like kind of. It doesn't have the same vibe as the songs I mentioned. Like those ones. Well, are I, really, I don't list, but I'm also not listening to it for its like upbeat nature. I'm listening to it because I think Wish You Were Gay has some, uh, and All the Girls Go to Hell have some of the most interesting vocal melodies on the album for me. And um, I think the production backing it also is also super solid. Zanny is probably like a second to those, but like those two tracks are like the most memorable for me. And like with Bad Guy, whenever someone judges Billy Ashton, like, oh yeah, I heard her, I don't like her. I'm like, oh, you heard Bad Guy, right? You know, the song that's not as good as almost every other song on the album. Even so, though, mm-hmm. it's a great yeah. song. But I agree, it's I don't think it's I don't think it's representative of the album. It's, it's like the Deer Hunter, even when it's they're at their worst, it's still pretty good. Unless you're not talking melpamine, but. With with, uh, with Billy Osh, it's kind of like the same thing. Bad guy being the worst song on the album is still a pretty good feat. Yeah. So uh, it, feat. in other news, these these three grown men love love Billy Eilish, and we're, we're yeah. willing to die on that hill. So who wants to go for another favorite album? Who wants to take this one? Uh, I think Rue and I could talk about Jacob Collier because that's another one yes. that we both shared. Jesse. So Rue, why don't why don't you put into context who Jacob Collier is? So Jacob Collier is is a English just do everything ist so vocals he plays almost everything literally every instrument like every time I see him play something he's like he can't just play everything he's like amazing at every instrument yes <laughs> it's really weird yeah so he initially kind of came up on the music scene uh, from from just posting videos on YouTube he's uh like like his sense of harmony is crazy um his his ability to harmonize and create these really really complex um progressions is just and on the on yeah. the fly as well like he he can just do it on command almost it's crazy well, and this is one of those things that you can almost appreciate him yeah. more when you watch his like Instagram and YouTube videos because he really breaks down like what he's doing mm. and and how he's building these chords and these harmonies and it's totally unconventional outside the box, but it sounds just so full and so it draws you in so so well because he's ha- he has such this strange sounds kind of like Ben Folds from how you're describing him. Like, maybe I don't, I haven't really listened to Ben mm-hmm. Folds, but he just he has the sense of melody that's so uncontemporary to what other people are doing like it's 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 almost like he has this this knowledge of an amalgamation of different cultures music sensibilities and he just combines them to almost be this unique style of music yeah he's 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 just incredibly talented but he's definitely as close to a savant as i can imagine like he literally any instrument he touches he just excels at absolutely like watching him live as well his stage presence his his ability to just be commanding over an audience is it's it's something to behold oh yeah and in that that thing he does 
the thing he does at his live shows where at the end of the show he like he orchestrates the audience yes. like he has them perform a song yeah that, that was I, just, I think that's so unique and and it shows his love for music like he really does just absolutely eat up music like it seems like he, it really is kind of the language he speaks so yeah absolutely uh, and you can hear that in this album this album's a very uh i think we both agree it's a little pretentious oh without a doubt like this is one of this is one of the <laughs> things about jacob collier is that I really want to dislike him as a person um, just because of how easy he makes it look. Yeah. It's just crazy. Like even, even the stuff that he would throw away as like, you know, this, this is not going anywhere. Even those kind of sketch musical sketches are still going to be millions better than what I could ever uh, think of. Yeah, there, there are parts on the album where he definitely, I think, overdoes it with like um, kind of creative construction of sounds and, and pushing the envelope and stuff like yeah. you can hear where he's really trying to take it to that next level. And for most people, next level is is a good place to be. But he's already next level by default. So hmm. when he bumps it up, it does seem like he's trying a little too hard and it seems a little kind of... Uh, airy and pretentious and but it's still it's a the, some of the songs are just so so well done and it's not it's not so pretentious that it's like out of touch for the average listener like he still has a lot of good melodies a lot of catchy tunes a lot of like soulful tunes yeah i think i still prefer volume one i would say so the 2019 release was jesse volume two uh i think there's going to be four volumes eventually um but yeah, is I that, think, wait, was volume one his debut or no? Uh, his, his debut album was an album called In My Room, and that was just a bedroom recorded album. Jesse is kind of, well, Jesse is a, is a studio produced project, so it, it gives him that opportunity to really go ham with production and just have a much bigger palette in terms of the resources available to him. So there's definitely a noticeable change in i guess sound fidelity and 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 the sound quality between his debut album and jesse volume one um but yeah i don't know i think i'm trying to remember the way he described kind of the idea of each volume he was saying like it's about meeting with the child within you again um which i just think is really cool it's such a cool thing. That makes sense. Because in Jesse Volume 2, he kind of has that song. It's It almost sounds like a love song to his mother, but it's not It's not told from a, like a love story mm. aspect where it's like creepy. Like it's it's almost like this this infantilized version of a person who's like, of course, affectionate toward their mother. And it's a very just sweet and genuine song. Yeah. I can't remember which, which track that is, but it's, it's very, it's like a ballad and it's very, it's just him and I think... Um, is it him and just piano or him and just guitar? No, it's just him and guitar. Mm. And it's it's very stripped down compared to all the other stuff he does, but it's very kind of emotionally rich. And it makes sense to me when you're telling me that it's kind of a toll from the perspective of finding your inner child. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just... It's just really good. I mean, Jacob Collier is not going to disappoint you. He might go overboard, but he's not going to be dull. That's for sure. Yeah, when you when you get an endorsement from someone like Steve Vai, you know that you're doing oh, yeah. something cool. I think that's how he ended up on my radar. Like I had always kind of known about him, but I'm a huge Steve Vai fan, and so whenever he got involved with Jacob Collier, I was just like, okay, hang on, this is there's something interesting going on here, and it it didn't disappoint at all. 
and also follow him on Instagram because the stuff he does on Instagram is oh yeah like Rue was saying his his little things are better than what most people put out regularly yeah so there you go Jesse volume two Jacob Collier also yeah it's a fantastic album Steve I think you and I could probably talk about I don't know if it was on your list but it's on mine the the bring me the horizon music to listen to yes that as well as ammo are on my list uh, I could talk about ammo a little bit, but I, I, of course, I could talk about music to listen to much more. So we can talk about just bringing the horizon in general. I'm the opposite. Um, ammo for me was that that honestly was almost tied with for um, with Billie Eilish. Really? Um, yeah, I followed Bring Me the Horizon for a long time. For those of you who aren't familiar, for, if it's possible, um, Bring Me the Horizon started off as a deathcore band, uh, kind of a big influence. They did a lot of kind of like genre defining moments like in their music that really nowadays sound pretty like insignificant but when they came out they were so fresh and original um then they started migrating over over from deathcore to metalcore when sample eternal came out that album got so praised and i still see people talk about how much they love it um and then after that came their more controversial uh pop and rock hybrid called uh, that's the spirit which is like when they start experimenting in pop and also the sad boy kind of style of music because that's when that was getting really popular in pop music and hip-hop and trap and all that. And then finally, they did their full transformation. So so I thought with Ammo, where they uh, basically embraced their full pop side as well as bringing you some really good hard-hitting rock tunes. And I really enjoyed it. I thought that the guitar tones on it were superb. I thought that um, a lot of the ideas and soundscapes they developed were really interesting to listen to. And I just found myself keep going back to it because it was just such a comfort zone. Uh, but then after that came uh, Bring Me the Horizons, music to listen to, dance to, blaze to, feed to, pray to, feed to, sleep to, talk to, grind to, trip to, breathe to, help to, hurt to, scroll to, roll to, love to, hate to, learn to, plot to, play to, be to, feel to, breathe to, <laughs> sweat to, dream to, hide to, live to, die to, go to. From, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you had that pulled up because I was I was hoping I wasn't going to have to read it. That's uh, actually the top of my head. So I to kind of contextualize my my love for Bring the Horizon too, just so we can catch up on this well, album. Wait, let me just let me give you the just the last of this. Um, this album came out on, on December 27th, which is why I don't do uh, top lists before the year is over because I can get surprises. Like I can get surprised by how good uh, the new Bring the Horizon was or how bad the new Star Wars was. But with the new Bring the Horizon, um, it was like. This is was a surprise release because they, before this they made a single called uh, called oh, what was it called? It, it began with an L. Lud- Ludens. It was Ludens. It, it came out for uh, for Death Stranding. They wrote they wrote recorded and mixed that song in five days, and it was incredibly well done. It included mixtures of elements from both their modern pop sound as well as their old metalcore sound with the breakdown and all that. Like they had a breakdown in the song where that they did with Grimes, but. This that was like more kind of like a breakdown stripped down to like a pop variant. This was like a traditional metal breakdown. But now then they did this new album, Music Two, etc. Um, this this album was more of them kind of like saying, "All right, well we're done making albums now. We're just going to make EPs and release like th- an EP every season because we don't want to be stuck to a certain sound every two years. We want to just keep experimenting and making new music because that's what they learned from Ludens, which then spawned the creation of this album. And this album." is like the definition of they do not give a fuck like this album is which let, let me let me catch up real quick if i can yeah 
Okay. So I, I'm the opposite of Steve. I, I did not like Bring Me the Horizon at all. Like I've listened to them in the past and they just did not do it for me. Mostly because I don't really like metalcore. It's just never really done it for me. I think it was probably just because at the, the, the peak of its popularity, I was in a completely different kind of metal zone with like thrash metal and old school 80s and stuff like that. He was pretty pretentious. And so it was very antithetical to the principles of an, you know, born in the wrong generation type kid. Um, yeah. So I've never really liked them, and, and the things I've heard from them have never really impressed me that much. But at Steve's behest, I listened to Ammo, and I thought it was okay. It was a bit more of a standard rock album than I expected, with some pop elements, and there were some interesting ideas there. And, and ultimately, I liked the album. It wasn't. It didn't blow me away. It didn't disappoint me. It was. It was pretty, pretty good. Um, but then this album came out, the one that we're talking about now. The music. St- Steve read the whole title again. <laughs> you to listen to, dance to, <laughs> no, race no, no. to, pray to, so, feed to, sleep to, talk to, grind to, trip to, breathe okay, to, help stop, to, stop, hurt to. <laughs> I'm only halfway through. No, don't even bother. Okay, so this album came out out of nowhere, scroll and I I listened to it before Steve, and it it honestly is one of my favorite albums. It was made my top ten list for the year because I I think it's just incredible. I know a lot of people hate it, and maybe the reason I like it so much is because I don't like Bring Me the Horizon, but it's it's like this kind of. It's experimental hip hop with it's, yeah, elements it's, of so it's much like ex- other stuff in it. Experimental hip hop with like there's some 25 just... minutes of their vocalist Ali Sykes having an existential crisis and experiment experiencing ego death. Yeah, he's he's on like acid or something. Yeah, it's a looping beat, and he's just talking about how much of a disappointment and a failure he is, and he's basically telling you to just internalize what he's saying, and then he just goes nowhere with it, and you're like, okay. Yeah, so I mean, if, if that kind of tells you the artistic direction this album goes in, which is, it's very kind of avant-garde in places, it's very kind of just, it completely stops the music just to tell this rambling message about a guy <laughs> with with Ollie being on uh, on acid, and just some of the some of the musical elements they use, I just think are, and this is, this is from someone who, I'm not a huge hip-hop fan, but I, I would say I'm probably, of the three of us, most well-versed in hip-hop. And and I just the stuff that they did I thought was just very creative and very interesting and honestly I listened to that album probably more times than any other album on my list just because I love the the sounds of it I think it's very relaxing I think it's dark it makes me feel uncomfortable it, it actually brings out a physiological sensation in me to listen to it so it's a very claustrophobic album it's a very kind of busy in your face I I don't it's it's something you have to experience and I think that's the way I would describe it you don't really listen to it you experience it which sounds super pretentious but it makes sense in context of the album which is just that it's if this is the direction they're going in I am totally on board if you swap this out for tool then you're gonna you'd sound just like or whatever um with this album (laughs) also it's like uh but they actually earned it tool doesn't earn it tool just Tool just does wankery and does the same thing over and over again. It makes it seem like they're doing something deep. This is something that actually sounds like it was crafted and considered, and it almost strips back, and I think that's even part of the ego death of, of Ollie in that song, is it almost strips back the musician's ego and just purely creates without double-guessing it or anything like that. Well, also a lot of it, a lot of the melodies were taken from Ammo. Um, the track that uh, they did with... Um, with Halsey, the inverted question mark track. I don't know what I would call that. Um, which also reminds me, the track names are kind of psycho. Uh, I'll pull that yeah. up just to, just to read them. But the um, that track is uh, basically nihilist blues that he did with Grimes, but restructured in a way that I would find, honestly, more interesting and less kind of traditional. And that really intrigued me to a degree I didn't expect. I'm going to turn down my music so this way I don't see this. But the um, like song title, Steal Something, or uh, let's see. Can, was it candy truck you expected lab your result 
was it green? It's just like they don't make sense. A devastating liberation, underground big, head full of hyena. Like there's another the, the closer track is just a bunch of symbols. It a lot of, these these tracks are meant just to be fun. And yeah. with Bring Me the Horizon and Hunter, you're going to hate me for saying this. Their next like release is not going to sound like this. I, I mean, release, even if it doesn't, it's it's gotten they've gotten to my radar enough to know that they're they are creatively pushing the envelope and not only kind of because i mean if if they wanted to just keep their success up and keep doing what they're doing they could have made a, a pretty solid career off this continue to do so but th- doing this it's almost like they're saying that they don't care about their fame or their popularity they just they want to create something and it, it almost sounds like a musical midlife crisis and i think that's what makes me appreciate it so much it's because i always had this impression of metalcore where it was all about optics and vision and and how you looked in the scene, and, and for a long time it was, but this is almost the the antithesis of everything that Horka music uh, stand stood for, which is that it's it's very unesthetic. And the thing is, is like with this also is that um because the fact that like when I listened to this album, it was really weird because I like to listen to music with headphones. I feel like that's the best way to really experience an album because it's produced to be heard with headphones. Here, all the intricacies that they're doing, all the panning and whatever. But when I sat and listened to the album, I like I went to go lie down on my couch and I just kind of experienced it. And he said, and then Ollie said that you need to uh, that just like just close your eyes and imagine a candle, blah blah blah, for that whole track. And um, after listening to the album, like I got to be honest, towards the final stretch, I was kind of like saying, "All right, I'm getting tired. I want to go to sleep now. Could we could, could this wrap up?" But um, for the but it, after listening to it, it made it kind of like, and this sounds incredibly pretentious, but it made like traditional traditionally structured songs feel a bit like shallow in comparison because this song this album didn't really sit to create traditional songs it's just basically them they don't give a fuck and they're giving everything so much room to breathe i mean the average song length on here is like between seven to ten minutes i think this this album is an example of when we had our uh artist versus art conversation which uh is coming soon um (laughs) and i talked about what an artist's responsibility is to their audience and how even if they're not beholden to their audience there's a general expectation that they need to do something that will allow what they're creatively doing to be received in a way that they need it to be this almost to me was the, the opposite of that in that they could they completely stripped away the pretense of their relationship with their fan base and they just created something and it's just it's something about it's very organic and it feels natural and it feels so strange and you should have just fallen asleep with it because I fell asleep with that album on once and had the fucking coolest dream. Yeah, um, no, I actually went. Thing is, is like with Bring Me the Horizon with Ammo, they made a song called Heavy Metal, basically saying that they they're getting a lot of shit from their fans, like on Instagram and whatever, saying that hey, this isn't heavy metal, it's trash. But then Ollie's just like, you know what? That's all right, and that's kind of him accepting that. Listen, we're not metal anymore. He blew out his voice because his technique is garbage but he blew out his voice from trying to scream like recently and he's just like he departed it he's departed from metal and he's just saying i want to create what i want to create same with the band there they acquired the member jordan from two albums ago that really kind of changed their whole dynamic of sound but i I think that's enough to really sit on this album we've been on it for about 15 20 minutes yeah no i i just i want to say i respect the hell out of the out of this band and out of the album and i think everyone should listen to it yeah Um, i think i i want to give uh some local shout outs quickly uh, yeah, to, to the uh, to the New York and Long Island music scene, um, Kenny Troon is probably one of my favorite local discoveries this year. Um, when I discovered him, he was opening for uh, my friend's band, 
and uh, he was an acoustic, uh, he was a vocalist and acoustic uh, guitarist. And when he was playing, it was a really cool kind of sound. Um, and he was actually, I discovered it shortly afterwards. He was, a, he's a big deer hunter fan too. Go figure. But um, he was just really fun to listen to. So he put out uh, a two-part album this year called Mandarin Side A and B. And I enjoyed them. I'm not sure if I love them as much as I expected to because they aren't what I expected. I expected it to be like a really cool acoustic rock album. And what I got from is more kind of pop oriented. But it's well produced and it's enjoyable. But then Kenny also showed his alternate side for his black metal project called As Dark As You, which was pretty cool seeing coming from out here because I I've noticed that metal has been fleeing a lot from like the local scene and seeing someone like Kenny just experiment from pop going into just straight up black metal with high distortion, high gain was pretty cool to hear. Um, another shout out goes to uh, the local act Senseless Hardcore with their album Violence and Momentum. Uh, kind of reminds me of like 18 visions, but a more hardcore kind of feel to it. And I found myself really enjoying that uh, more so than I actually expected. Um, and the last local shout out for me is uh Harbor seals was made in voyage. Uh, I met their vocalist at an open mic that I did and um, their music had a very like nostalgic feel to it. So I, I did enjoy it and I do recommend um, checking out any of those albums. If any of those sound interesting to you. Oh, one more uh, telescopium signs of life. Uh, Parthen, their guitarist, is really, really good. And this album sounds kind of like a low production kind of dream theater. And it really does have uh, room to grow, I think, for them as a band. But they're, uh, when they like, there's some really interesting guitar work on here. And I think that when they kind of get more and more on their craft and move forward, that I could see them experiment, ex- I could see them growing more because it reminds me of uh, another local act, Trigenous. But I think that's all the local well, it's kinda, acts for me. It's kinda pig, to kind of piggyback off your local bands, I think um, a New Jersey band that, that I really love would be worth mentioning, and that's Owl. Yes, um, Owl, uh, Paris. Owl. I can't believe we forgot to mention Paris. Oh, shit. Oh, I didn't forget. I was waiting. <laughs> but uh, Paris is yeah. really good. It's really sad. I discovered Owl, actually, with um, with All I'll Ever Known, All I'll Ever Know, which is how a lot of people discovered them. Mm. And... I think that they, that's a really awesome song. It has a lot of Deer Hunter vibes. It's lengthy enough. It's like the right length. It's like seven minutes. And it's super engaging for each of the seven minutes. But um, beyond that, I'm just like, okay, um, I want more of this sound. I want more of this rock sound. And then they just completely went more like soft and emotional. And I really yeah, enjoyed that was, this record. That was really an anomaly in their collection that uh, all I'll ever know. Uh, it's a fantastic song. I, although I've been an old fan for so long that it's it's hard for me to even rank favorites or anything like that. But um, so Owl, which by the way, for people who would want to look it up, it's spelled O W E L. Uh, they just came out the new album Paris, and and like Steve was saying, uh, they they do have a lot of kind of songwriting techniques that are similar to the Deer Hunter, and that they they use kind of um, bigger orchestration. Um, so they you know they they use strings and horns and things like that. And uh, this this new album, I think, is is probably closer to Deer Hunter sound than some something like Dear Me or like their self titled was because it kind of has that more driving approach to it, where it's not just so somber and melodic. It's got it's got some real kind of kick to it. And of course, Jay Jay from Owl is a good friend. Um, I'm not just I'm not only saying this because he's he's a friend, but he, he'll he'll also be on the show at some point. So leaks keep, um, keep an ear out for our interview with Jay from Owl. <laughs> I really, I really loved his vocals too. They did the uh, acoustic version of Weather Report, and oh my god, that was just so good. Um, Hunter, there's another album actually that I was curious about your opinion of. Um, from what I know, you're not super well versed in Periphery, right? 
Uh, no, not really. I've listened to him a little bit, but this new album, you, I think You checked was... out Hail Stan this year, Periphery 4. What'd you think of that? I, I was actually a little disappointed. Um, really? Because, yeah, some of the clips I had heard of Periphery and like some of the, the way I've heard them explained, I, I guess I just expected a little bit more um, creative. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that what they make isn't creative in any way, but it was just a little more like middle of the road than I expected. I expected some a little bit more like kind of crazy and off the wall. Um, so I think relative to my expectations, it was just okay. But uh, it, it's an enjoyable enough album. It gives me fucking energy. It makes me want to kick somebody's teeth in and... What about Reptile, the uh, the 16-minute opener? I don't remember specifically, man. 121 albums. I can't remember every <laughs> detail. <laughs> Reptile is really cool. starts off with uh, with genting cellos. And um, I think Spencer's voice is awesome. That's like one of the most polarizing things I hear. But Interestingly enough, the first time I heard Periphery was in a, a video on Reddit of someone getting in a car accident. They were playing it on the yeah. Their dash cam picked it up, and that was what made me want to listen to Periphery because I listed that. It was, was Make like, Total huh. Destroy off of Periphery too. That I remember that for some reason. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it was, but it was just I heard that and I was like, "This sounds really fucking good." And I saw in the comments it was Periphery. I was like, "Okay, well, Steve keeps recommending it. I'm gonna check it out." Yeah, you reach out to me like, "Hey, this this is Periphery. What song is this?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's and this song," which I don't think you still have listened to. I, I don't think I have either. But what what I heard there was more interesting than what I heard on on Hail Stan. And I I don't know how Hail Stan stands. Huh, Stan stands. Um, <laughs> relative to like their general output. I don't know if it's something it's, that's... It's up there. Um, Hailstand is... What's really nice about it is those are like a bit more of a return to form. Uh, Periphery's... There's a lot of people arguing what their best album is. A lot of people argue like Periphery 2. But then you have the Juggernaut uh, double album, which is incredible too. And then Periphery 3 kind of like dropped the ball a bit. So Hailstand kind of picked it back up. Um, but with Hailstand, that's also their first album released as an independent artist. They uh they their contract ended with Sumerian and they're just like all right let's make our own music, so now they're all self funded and they do everything themselves and I think it was pretty cool. Uh, also, I when Blood Eagle came out, I remember that track blew my mind with how fun it was. So, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it was it was a fine album. Like I said, I I didn't particularly dislike it. It just uh, I, I didn't ex- I didn't adore it. But then again, I I feel like my sensibilities are kind of moving away from heavier music. I, I still enjoy. I need to for my for my music. For like, I, I need to sure. know what's going on in metal, and I need to know what is interesting to people so I can create it. You know, I mean, there there's some heavy things like the new Infinite Annihilator. I think wasn't that the one that we that really enjoyed? What was the the one we were talking about earlier? That was. Oh, uh, we we disagreed on that. I think because Infinite Annihilator with uh with Dicky, what their vocalist, I can do a lot of the stuff that he does, so I don't find it super interesting to me. So like. If a vocalist, like an infant annihilator, they can't play their music live because it's all like written in the DAW. But if your music is strictly, like, if your music is strictly made for music, musical prowess, like for their vocalist skill, uh, if it, the skill doesn't impress me, then you need to do something with that skill that's interesting, which is why Cattle Decapitation is more up my speed well, in that I'm, area. I'm messing it up anyway. I was thinking of Flesh God Apocalypse. <laughs> no, Flesh God Apocalypse is really, really good. Yeah, that's that's the other album this year that, that was almost in my top 10. So there are clearly still heavy bands that I really enjoy, but it has to be more than just something heavy. Like, it has to have something else there that really brings me in. And I, I think just bands like Periphery, I, I understand their appeal. And if this was, like, 10 years ago, I would have fucking gotten to a mosh pit and punched somebody in the face. <laughs> Not literally, but... Um, I just, I don't know. I don't really have those heavy sensibilities anymore, but it was still, it was an enjoyable album. I just, I can't stand it, you know? Oh, for Peace. local acts, I forgot to mention Carbomb with their new album, Mordial. That was pretty cool. Um, 
Uh, Departing from Metal, though. I think I might have listened to that one, too. Departing from Metal, I, I'm curious on your opinions. I don't know if you heard either of these two albums. Uh, Chelsea Wolfe's Birth of Violence. Have any of you heard that? I didn't listen to that one. Chelsea Wolfe is super duper interesting. Uh, she makes kind of like a really dark folk kind of sound. She's actually referred to as a princess, of, or I think the queen of darkness in the kind of scene because she's um she did two albums where there were high distorted guitars with really clean vocals over it but then she went back to her acoustic dark folk sound and it was just really interesting um another artist that i really really loved this year was uh bentney with you know what they mean that one is one i didn't get around to because someone that i um that i trust very well for my own musical opinions i won't say who uh, but let's just say they're a musician I admire quite a bit, uh, really didn't like that album. And and like the first impression I got of the album was them just destroying and evis- eviscerating it. And so I feel like I just, I avoided it on my list just because I know how much they didn't like it. I loved it. I thought it was just such a really f- interesting and gorgeous album. And I showed it to a few people and they all loved it too. So um, that was really cool. Uh, what else we got? There's so much stuff on this list, man. I'm like I'm I'm falling in the seams. Oh, I, one that we did we did disagree on was uh, the new Chakran album, Ethereal. I I know we disagreed on it. I'm trying to remember why. Yeah, from what I remember, you said that you felt like you can say these are where the heavy moments are and these are where they aren't. Um, like which which you were able to call like when it was starting to get heavier. But when I heard this album, I was very very drunk when I first heard it, and I thought it was really interesting. And the um, they're kind of like. They they have a bit of that Arabic inspiration in their melodies and how they kind of compose. How do you music. spell it? Shock Shakran? S H O K R A N. And I could be butchering its pronunciation. Well, because I I did a write up on it, so I was going to go look at my write up and see. But I thought that was a really interesting album. Um, White Chapels, The Valley was really really good. Okay, um, so for Shakran, I put uh, I did put it's pretty good. Um, and this was me kind of, I guess, realizing that I'm moving away from harsher music because I, I kind of outlined uh, that I'm very particular about how clean and harsh vocals are used together. Like when they're used separately and only separately, I'm fine with them. But when it comes to like mixing them, and I think this is what you meant with like the distinction between like the heavy and, and the not. It just it requires a very special touch to make it sound organic and not just like, OK, this is going to be the aggressive heavy part. And it's just a little clunky. Uh, and the way it was used in this album, or at least reading my own words here. Obviously, I can't remember the album specifically, uh, but I, I think it just has to be done really well to mix cleans and and harsh vocals. And it's not not everyone could do it. And I'm not even saying like I'm the the ultimate knowledge about that kind of music. But when I listen to that kind of stuff, to me, it sounds kind of clunky. Um. Okay, that's respectable. Uh, Rude, do you have any you want to throw in? Uh, top albums. Yeah. Sure. Because I feel like I'm taking a little bit too much of the spotlight. Sure. Um, yeah, I would like to draw attention to a, a British band who they shot straight to number one uh, with this uh, record. It's a band called Elbow, uh, and the album was called Giants of All Sizes. Um, What's it like? It's really good. So it's <laughs> it's got great lyrics for one thing. Uh, the, so like the lead the lead singer uh, Guy Garvey he's always been very kind of quite similar to Casey I would say quite uh, quite adventurous with the lyrics he, it's, it's not just plain you know love and you know I love her she doesn't love me sort of stuff it's really 
it's really quite what deep. What is it like? Is it pop? Is it folk? What is it? So it's kind of kind of progressive rock in a way, but in the kind of more British way with bands like Genesis. Or, the more British way? What does that sound like? Yeah, uh, I mean, bands like Genesis, I think... Uh, I think Guy Garvey. Oh, so like the old school prog kind of sound, like Genesis and King Crimson and all that? It derives from it, sure. It's, uh, I mean, Elbow, that I guess their most prominent record would be their 2008 release, um, The Seldom Seen Kid, and that's kind of their classic style. So they're kind of a typical rock lineup with uh, a string section as well. And... Uh, yeah, just it's a fairly short album. This new one, uh, I think the runtime is about forty minutes, uh, give or take. But it's it's just a great album. I, I love it so much. I've been playing it on repeat ever since it came out. And uh, yeah, Elbow, check them out. They're a great British band. Um, very interesting lyrics and vocal style as well well before we before we dive back into our list i have a local band i want to mention too um they're local to louisville kentucky which is where i've um considered home for years and years and years um but i think this band is going to really really blow up sometime soon they're called girlwood grl wood um and they're they're like this uh this female i guess punk duo uh it's like this kind of lo-fi um I, I called it junk punk to one of my friends in that it's it sounds it has that kind of unapologetic punch of, of old timey punk music, but it, it also has this kind of like um alternative style to it. Um but the, their their themes are just really kind of um they almost remind me of Pussy Riot as far as like the, the type of themes they give off and the kind of attitude they have. Uh but they've been really blowing up lately and I think they're really gonna go places. So they have an album that's called I Sold My Soul to the Devil when I was 13 or something like that. Um, that's really, really good. So Girlwood is definitely a band to keep an eye out for because they're going places. Yeah, that reminds me of a local act called uh, Bad Mary, who I think just dropped an album this year. That was pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of good local acts coming around this this year. That's pretty awesome. It's cool to see like the the smaller artists like from around here are just gen- are having like a good time, you know. Yeah, I, I want to get more involved in the the local scene here in Columbus because I I know that it's got a pretty thriving music scene. I just haven't really gotten into it because I've been in been out of the scene for a while. But I'd like to do some shows this year, so hopefully I get to know some more people and um, through that kind of maybe even have some on for interviews or something like that. We've thought about doing like local interview spot or local artist spotlights. Hmm. Yeah, we so were talking might- about that for a bit. Um, that might be something to look into. Yeah. Did you hear the new contortionist? No. Man, you missed a lot of the bigger ones. I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked. Well, I, I think I intentionally kind of avoided Prague-esque bands this year because I'm I'm sick and tired of Prague I, as as a genre, as a style, as a, a mentality, whatever it is. I'm I'm sick to death of it because I just think it's. It's horribly bland, stagnant, and I think the mentality is toxic, and I think the community is more or less just insufferable. Um, so I think I have kind of a natural aversion to prog at the moment. I'll probably circle back to it because I've always been kind of a prog fan. Did you um, listen to Clairvoyant when it came out? I I don't know. What is that? It's a contortionist album. Oh, I I probably have. I don't I don't really remember. Well, it came out a couple of years ago. Uh, well, contortionist started off as like a. Um, as like a progressive deathcore band and they went full kind of like prog rock and prog pop with like a much more atmospheric kind of hue to them they kind of pretty much stopped screaming altogether 
but with our bones it was really cool to listen to because i really did enjoy clairvoyant i thought it was a really awesome album and um our bones kind of expanded upon that a little bit with a small ep it's only like four songs but they also did a really cool um cover of uh, 1979 by um smashing pumpkins so if that gives you any indication on like where their sound is now i mean i'll probably circle back to them at some point i, I think they just fell victim to when I'm going through when I was going through my list for the year and I I saw bands that I knew were kind of in the progosphere I would just kind of naturally avoid them just because I I knew I probably would go into it with a, a tainted perspective and that's just not the way I want to listen to music but I, I'm not saying I have I'm like boycotting them or something I'll probably listen to them at some point so I have one that I actually want to mention to both of you I hope both of you have heard this album because I feel like this is the most likely on the list um, thank you scientist terraformer <sighs> Yeah, no, I listened to that one. It was on my two listen. What did you guys list. think of that? Yeah, Rue, Rue, I think would enjoy it too because uh, Thank You Scientist has kind of more of like a, it's like snarky puppy, but like more kind of metal prog. It's type jazz thing. fusion. Hmm. Yeah, it, it was on my list of things to listen to for sure. I will probably uh, on your list of fifteen albums. <laughs> well, are are you a, are you a fan of Thank You Scientist in general, or is this going to be your first foray into? It will probably be my first venture into it. Uh, okay. Well, no, they're, they're really good. They're, they kind of got this jazz fusion sound going on. Uh, I do think a lot of their music sounds pretty samey. Uh, I think, I think I commented the terraformer was my favorite one they've done just cause it seems really? to have, yeah, it just seems to have the most variety. Like I, I they kind of, it was so forgettable to me. I, I'm kind of the opposite. I, their first album, uh, maps of non-existent places or whatever it was, that one was totally forgettable to me. Yeah, same. I really love Stranger Heads Prevail, but when I listened to Terraformer, it just like it, it felt like it was missing something that I really enjoyed about their music. And just sitting through, like I really loved the singles when I heard them, and I saw them live with um, uh, with uh, how am I forgetting their name? They were an awesome band. Uh, well, it's not Coheed in the presence of wolves. <laughs> okay. There it is. I can't. I feel so bad. No, they were awesome. They were like probably one of the best surprises I've seen as an opener for a band. And they were such cool people too, but um, no, they they are cool. It's I, the problem I have with like uh, Stranger Heads Prevail is that there are like three songs in there that are really really good that I will listen to over and over and over again. I'll throw in every playlist because they're fucking amazing. Mister Invisible stands out to me, like that is just it's a really really well written song. What about I think like Psycho Pomp? It, it perfect. I mean, that might be another one. I, I would have to go through and look at my playlist. That's their but, instrumental one. That's the uh, no, it's not Psycho Pomp. It's the uh, the Rube Goldberg variations. They have like two or three songs that to me are really, really good. They have great melodies, great choruses. They're catchy. They're experimental. They're, they're kind of, they're a little proggy, but not too crazy. Like it's, it's, it's still got that kind of jazz root to it. But outside of those two or three songs, like everything is just pretty boring. Like it just, it just sounds masturbatory at a certain point. Like it's just, it's, it's just a little, I don't, I don't know. I, I think they're, they, they lean a little bit too far into the jazz fusion um, kind of prog mindset sometimes where it just starts to feel a little gratuitous. And I, I think Terraformer was more grounded and I think that's why I enjoyed it more because it didn't just sound like they were trying to go crazy. It sounded like they had a central vision that they went with rather than just had a collection of songs. I'll, I'll have to give it like a, a fourth listen, but uh, it just, I don't know. It did nothing for me. I was really shocked by it. Um, I was kind of I was shocked in the other direction is that I enjoyed it more than I thought it would. So I think we're just of different minds, but we have generally different philosophies about like prog bands anyway. So it doesn't surprise me we have different kind of interpretations. Well, like, I, I play in a prog band, but like I like to think that my band isn't like the traditional nature of prog. 
So yeah, I I wouldn't necessarily I would categorize your band as progressive, uh, which I think is vastly superior to prog. Um, but yeah, I, we I jump time signatures and we have linear song structures in the sense where we're like we have an idea and we just go forward and we don't revisit the chorus as much or anything like that's our sound um but i i noticed that like a lot of fragment like you did say that there is a formula to progressive music which i do agree with which is why when someone says hey what's your band categorized as i'm like i don't really know like when when you're when you're categorizing something like periphery or something like that like they have sounds that you kind of know for them to have in their music and same thing with a lot of like modern progressive artists and i do to an extent seek comfort in a lot of prog but like i think uh casey had a good quote so that this is the only casey quote i've ever remembered because i think it just at the time i heard it it perfectly encapsulated what i was feeling about prog and prog music is that he said um all music should be progressive because if it's not progressive it's redundant so it was, it was almost kind of this hmm. this reductionist view of rather than prog music being a style or or a genre it was just pushing pushing your boundaries and and expanding sounds and kind of moving in the next direction otherwise you're stagnating and you're being redundant and that to me is what progressive music should be and that's very much not what prog music is prog music is prog music is very played out and very kind of stagnant and dead and see so I, the way i always defined prog was that it needs to be outside of the traditional songwriting conventions like i saw someone try to define prog that really bothered me they said that prog has to have changing time time signatures it needs to be lengthy it needs to have well-written lyrics which first of all is you, there's no such thing as objectively well-written lyrics you know no. it's all subjected mm -hmm. to the individual same thing as like a guitar riff or a production value of something it's like if you just if you put progressive music under those pillars then it's not progressive anymore. That's like that's where it hits the redundancy. Well, and everything works in context. Like I, I think that System of a Down for what they did was very progressive for their genre. And even if you listen to things like their lyrics, their lyrics are sometimes very goofy. They have songs about their fucking their hard cocks. They have songs about <laughs> uh, you know heroin addicted women. And and some of their some of their lyrics are just goofy and nonsensical, and they're meant to be. Same thing with like Primus. Primus and System of a Down I think are very similar as far as like songwriting. Ideas go, and that they they both push their respective envelopes while still maintaining their kind of core genre and foundation. And I think both of them are much more progressive than something like Tool. I don't think Tool is progressive at all. I think Tool is very very redundant. I think Tool's progressive when they came out. Well, probably, yeah. But I I think that to say that that album was progressive and saying the Tool is progressive are complete are completely different things because Tool sounds exactly the same as they always have. Yeah. Well, no. Well, their first their first couple albums were like really grungy really grungy and noisy and then they kind of started to move from that but um, I, I don't i don't think they're envelope pushing they're not they're not changing they don't need to that that's the issue res like, respective of them being labeled progressive which is fine they don't have to but if if we're going to categorize them as prog and completely detach what prog is from the original meaning of what progressive is then you may as well not even call it prog just come with something else because it's not yeah. progressive like thing is with tools that i was reading a lot because i was really curious about the creation of uh, fear knock them and why it sounded the way it did and apparently the album was done like eight years ago and they had it ready but they kept trying to perfect everything because they're like how the hell are we going to follow up like these big releases that we had with something and by waiting so long they ended up making it even worse on themselves and I, they don't sound like that. They just really want to be making music anymore. Like it sounds to me that they're just trying to ca get a paycheck. And that's Maynard, what Dream Theater, Dream Theater sounds like to me. They sound bored. Yeah. Does that was Dissonant over time this year? Yeah, 
Yeah, that, was that album. Oh my, that album really bothered me because everyone was talking about how great it was, and I'm like, I'm not huge on James Labrie's vocals, but like, he was. You can tell he was the focus of like the production, and it just took so much away because it was so like high reverb and everything. It was just irritating to me that there were some really good like passages that I was really grooving into from the other musicians. And then when James hopped back in, it just kind of took it away, you know? He had, on, top of, on top of the fact that I'm just not huge on his tone, he writes really boring melodies to me. So people like praise like Metropolis 2, and I just can't. I'm completely just, disillusioned by, by Dream Theater. Like, they, they haven't really made anything that connected with me in a long, 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 long time. And even the things that did connect with me were probably just a product of the, the kind of musical culture that I was within. And I don't think if I went back and explored it again that it would still resonate with me. They have a handful of songs I like, but I think that Haken basically is the modern dream theater and they do a little bit better too. I, I think that, that that's kind of where I'm sitting with that. It, Haken's just kind of like, because dream theater sound, I don't think that they would, someone said this was really interesting that people that dream theater wouldn't really give a shit about being a modern progressive band and the modern progressive artists. If it wasn't for uh, John Petrucci having a nephew in periphery. I, I didn't even, I didn't even know his nephew wasn't periphery, but. Cool. Yeah, Jake Bowen, one of their guitarists and who does a lot of the electronica aspects of it is in periphery and it kind of makes sense to me to a degree. Like it cuz it sounds like that they just kind of want to do what they want to do but they have like their fan base that really wants other stuff. I I mean kind of, yeah. I'm I'm not a Haken fan so or or a periphery fan. No, I'm talking about Dream Theater. Oh, we're back to Dream Theater. I'm sorry. I, I said I said Haken's doing a better modern Dream Theater, but I'm saying that Dream Theater I don't think that I think that they want to go down a separate route and do more creative things, but they uh, are being hindered more so by their fan base and their expectations. Uh, yeah, well, of them. I think I think that's the trap that a lot of like older bands fall into is that they're they've been doing this too long to just completely switch it up because their fan base has been around for one sound for so long that they can't they can't really like they're they're kind of prisoners of their own success. And I, I think that's why so many older bands stagnate and why once you've been a band for more than 20 years, I think your creative output is, generally speaking, pretty stifled. I mean, I mean Wolverine, unless is, from the uh... get-go, unless you were like Radiohead or something and Radiohead can fart into a microphone and everyone, including myself, would, would laud it as a, a creative <laughs> masterpiece. Like if, if you're a band that had a particular style like and you've been doing it for more than 20 years, you can't really deviate from it. Well, Rue, what, what's your stance on Prague? What does Prague mean to you? Prague. Um, see, it is weird because it, for me, it feels like such a diverse thing because you've got like the prog of the seventies, you know, comparing to the kind of what what we kind of define as prog today, which is the much kind of more, in my mind at least, the much more heavier. Um, kind of thing that you would get in say the American scene for the most part I know there are British bands like uh, Haken and, and so on but prog it, it's I think I think that quote from Casey pretty much is quite it, it kind of echoes what I think of it in that it is kind of going beyond and transcending just traditions, you know, songwriting traditions and conventions. I think it's all about trying to really push for what's not been done before. And I think compositionally, it's getting slightly more difficult nowadays, which is what I think the, uh, like nowadays, I think prog is more focused on the timbre, on the actual sound design and, um, 
you know, that aspect of the arrangement rather than uh, kind of where it used to be focused on their, mainly on their songwriting sure. aspects of it. Yeah, I, I can agree that if there's only so many big ideas you can come up with. I mean, obviously music continue to evolve forever, but sure. uh, eventually... Uh, as music becomes more ubiquitous and easy to create and easy to consume, things are just going to have to naturally evolve at a faster pace than they used to. So I think even the, the label of progressive is, re is kind of redundant in itself in that every genre can be progressive. You can be... Well, I mean, I would consider the new Bring Me the Horizon to be progressive. Absolutely. I, well, I think yeah. that's a million times more progressive than almost everything that's in the prog genre. So I think prog has kind of cannibalized the label of progressive in a way yeah. that doesn't make sense to me. Like that that would be like calling Slayer a country album. Like let's say country somehow got turned into sounding like Slayer, that label would still apply to Slayer, but it wouldn't really make sense relative to its to its origins and to what you would expect well, from it in that country. Look at like Black Sabbath, are they metal or are they classic rock, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and we could we could genre argue all day, but I think at the end of the day, genre labels are pretty reductionist by nature. But prog in particular bothers me because it describes this very specific action, and by even identifying core tenets of progressive music, you've almost completely stripped it of its meaning. And so that that's what annoys me about prog is that, especially prog fans, they act like they're so enlightened and that they're so kind of worldly <laughs> and. They act like they like so much because progressive music does so much stuff and it's so it's such a vast and huge genre, but it's really not. It's very narrow and they borrow from each other so much and they're very fickle fan bases and uh, Prague just annoys me. I, I want to shoot them all in the sun. See, I think the modern descriptor that is what Prague used to be would probably be avant-garde. Like if sure. I feel like if you refer to something as avant-garde, that inherently makes it more kind of progressive like diablo swing orchestra i would give it that aspect i'd say like haken's the mountain has avant-garde aspects to it i think that between the bear and me has some of it too and i think that makes it a bit more progressive like mr bungle it almost as avant-garde as it gets right like genre hopping multiple times within a song for every song it's just i don't know i but imagine imagine if Imagine if we started using avant-garde as a as a kind of descriptor for certain things, and then eventually avant-garde came to describe through just permeations of music, it just became a, a blanket label to describe a particular sound. It would take the Gent. word avant-garde, which which already has a meaning, and it would turn it into this kind of like bastardized, kind of insular thing that's separated from the original meaning of the word. And that's what progressive is to me. Like I understand what progressive originally described and what it's kind of in some ways meant to describe but it doesn't at all. So it's like they cannibalized the language of the word and turned it into something that's the antithesis of what it's supposed to describe. And it's just strange to me and annoying. And I, I have a lot of problems with Prague. Well, I guess like we're, we're starting to get towards the final stretch. So I want to just sure. rapid fire the rest of my albums and then we can move on to finish up what you guys. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have three or four that I want to kind of like briefly explain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let me just do know, a quick rapid fire. Animus Dreamcatcher. Animus are a bunch of awesome dudes. They got a new vocalist for this album. It's been in the making for about five years. The last album is one of my all-time favorites. This album, each track, I believe, is about a different horror movie or a story or a book or something. And I thought it was really interesting to listen to. It was pretty fun. And specifically the songs, um, I think it's called My Becoming. And I also really like um, a few other tracks on this album. It was just really, really fun to listen to. Um, Whitechapel, The Valley. Uh, Phil Bozeman gets nastier than ever, uh, but his cleans are gorgeous. There's two songs on here. Um, third depth and um hickory creek where it just basically sounds like in a perfect circle song and like a perfect circle songs and i'm so for that 
Like that's what uh, Phil's voice kind of lends itself to a bit. Um, let's see, Suno with life metal, um, more so about soundscapes. Uh, it's just like a noise record, and it's just meant. It, I don't know if you can really listen to it actively. It's more so kind of like a background music, but I do like listening to it every now. By and the way, then. not to get big brained on you, but it's just pronounced Sun. Suno um, for uh, <laughs> artificial language. Um, now we sleep. I really enjoyed this record. I feel like it miss, is missing something from what I really enjoyed from their last record. Um, from just the direction it went, I feel like it was a bit less memorable for me. But also, I didn't listen to it as much. So that could be part of it as well. Uh, let's see. There, this album I barely remember. I, th- I remember it being like a black metal record. It was like Mispyrming, M S P Y R M I N G, Alleg. Agle words. Um, this this album's pretty cool. Uh, Allegion Apostosis is just typical Allegion. If you know what you're in for with that, uh, Umpful as the waves cover the sea. That was pretty cool. That's more of an av- avant-garde kind of prog sound. Um, Chakran. I liked Elo's Union was more like um, or Ilo. I think it's pronounced. It's kind of like a, a hybrid between like Dream Theater and Haken, but it's not fully there yet. I think that with their next record, they can become a little bit more um north lane's alien they got went more kind of 90s sounding it's like 90s matrix sounding gent and metalcore i thought that was pretty cool um nova charisma exposition one uh was pretty cool kind of forgettable yeah. to me it was a I, power- I, I enjoyed uh exposition two more that was on my i didn't hear exposition two uh exposition one was like a is the powerhouse combo it has like members of i think uh hail the sun hail and the sun and um uh, well, I know they were in CNVAR together, I think, but also a lot like Birds, was it? Yeah, I regard. I think this is a really cool album, a really cool like uh, collection of songs. Yeah, no, it's, it's, like it's definitely a project to keep an eye on because any pretty much Donovan's just a very talented uh, vocalist, and he's he's an interesting musician. So I think anything Donovan does is worth keeping an eye on. He's definitely going to be big in the industry. Oh yeah, it was fun. Um, let's see, I already spoke about Contortionist, uh, Unprocessed, Artificial Void, really good guitar work, like incredibly good guitar work in that album i really enjoyed that um it didn't kind of hit the spot that i wanted it to hit but after kind of letting it sit for a bit i'd find it be more and more enjoyable over time um the offering home was pretty forgettable for me uh but i remember enjoying it in the listen this one i can't pronounce i think it's equipoise equipoise or equipa um demiurgist the really cool metal record uh it's kind of leans more towards death metal um let's see and cult of luna did you guys hear that one uh, uh, if I did, I don't remember it immediately. I don't think I like did. I said, 121 albums. Cult of Luna was really cool. It was a really cool post rock, noisy record, and I really thoroughly enjoyed every single track on it. Um, Shadow of Intent, Melancholy. I believe my bassist told me that the guitarist for Shadow of Intent used to be in my band before me. And he kind of technically still is because he never really left, from what I gather. Um, but I got to say that with Shadow of Intent, the guitar work was really, really interesting on that record. And the vocals were kind of fun to listen to as well. Um, New Haven. Oh, Get Scared. Uh, do you guys know that band? The pop punk, like pop punk band from like the mid 2000s when they were relevant. They did a new record that was kind of cool. Um, new Haven. Uh, that was a band that I really liked. They blended sounds of like Panic at the Disco, Ice Nine Kills, and like Crown the Empire. It was like a very cool hybrid of sounds for their record. I think it was called, um, I think it was like self titled. And then they did a new album called Are You Okay, where they started bringing some rap into it. And I thought that was really interesting. Uh, Above Below, The Lotus Chapters, uh, that was a pretty cool kind of like genty record. And that's everything from my run through. So back to you guys. 
Well, my, my list is pretty short because I, I didn't make a list of 40 bands necessarily. <laughs> but I, I'll list the, the ones left in my top 10 and I'll, I'll give a couple of shout outs for like bands I think that are worth paying attention to. Um, one that I, that was my favorite album of the year, uh, of all the albums I listened to, this was number one for me, was Aaron, Aaron West on the Roaring Twenties, um, Routine Maintenance. Uh, it's this re- really good um, folk kind of uh, concept project where the the singer from the wonder years um basically has this this alter ego of of aaron west and he tells a story of over the two albums i've done so far about um, falling in love with a woman they get pregnant she has a miscarriage and then their relationship falls apart and there's there's a lot of kind of themes about depression and uh, substance abuse and things like that it's just it's a really good album and despite the theme sounding so dark it's got a very light sound to it it's my favorite happy sad album in that it's it may be a little depressing in theme, but it's just, it's got this kind of energy to it that that makes you feel like this guy's just rolling with the punches and he's really just doing the best he can. So I, I highly recommend that album more than anyone else this year. Um, the Arcadian Wild. It was kind of a uh, a bluegrass folk album. Um, it's it's really really good. They have a lot of supremely cat- catchy melodies. You'll you'll find yourself singing along and you're getting it uh, stuck in your head. And the the bluegrass feel is done kind of very seamlessly, and it's it incorporates some some pop and folk elements. So it's it's also very good. Uh, Amanda Palmer, there will be no intermission. It's this really introspective kind of lo-fi uh, storytelling type music. It's it's very performatively intimate um, in the, the lyrical content and the the way the performances are done. It's usually just her with a piano, um, and it's it's kind of it has that kind of amateur quality to it, but it's the songs are very emotive and very deep and introspect, inter and retrospective as far as like society and some of the problems we face as, as human beings personally and interpersonally. So it's it's very good. Um, Black Midi, uh, Schragenheim, I think it's pronounced. It's just a fucking wild album. Definitely go listen to it. It's I can't nail down a genre. I can't tell you what it's about. Is it it's Prague? Just, it's not Prague. Thank God. <laughs> No, it's just, it's a very good album, incorporates a lot of different styles. Um, it's very kind of cheeky and creative. Um, so that one's really good. Quelle Chris was uh, my favorite hip hop album of the year. Uh, it's this, it's this really kind of, um, I want to, I want to say kind of commentary about society at the moment, particularly from the perspective of, um, the class that he's coming from and, and, you know, black people in general. Uh, not to say that I'm the perfect consumer for that type of material or that I can even put it into the perspective that it necessarily needs, um, but I, I found the, the lyrical content to be very genuine and, and very uh, well well thought out and very well presented, and the, the tracks behind it are just, they incorporate these jazz styles, and it's very swingy, and it's it's a brilliant album, quite like Chris Guns. Uh, and then Lizzo, Because I Love You. Uh, was a pop album that I really, really enjoyed this year because it kind of blends these classic contemporary styles in a way that's very just fun to listen to. And I, I think it's well-written and well-performed. And I know Lizzo gets a lot of shit, but she made a hell of a good album. Uh, and then just a couple more for like smaller bands I think you should keep an eye out for. Um, Wax A Million, Muttersprosh. Uh, he's he's kind of in the prog scene, but I, I enjoy what he's doing. He's uh, instrumental kind of... Um, musician in in the vein of bands like Plyphia and Sean and stuff like that but he's very creative and very talented so I recommend keeping an eye out for him I think he's gonna go places uh and then the Morgana phase is a really cool band that I think kind of follows the same 
musical formula as the deer hunter in their kind of trajectory. And they do a lot of cool things that incorporate elements of bands like Coheed and Cambria, the deer hunter. Uh, they even have like some more classic, like almost like, I guess panic at disco style stuff going on in there, but it's, it's very interesting. They, they blend a lot of different styles. They do it seamlessly. Uh, so that's the Morgana phase. And they're, I think they're definitely gonna be going places as well. And then the last one I would give a bump to would be Brock Project, because I absolutely love them. And uh, I think everyone should listen to Brock Project, because they're, they're amazing. But that's all I got. Amazing. What about you, Rue? What cool. you got? So I've got only a few, not so many, but let's, let's see. So we've got Ventura, uh, which is an album by Anderson Park. Uh, this is like an R&B and soul type of record. And... I've got to say, Anderson Park is just an amazingly talented musician uh, and producer and just everything is. Again, um, this album is produced uh, by Park himself as well as people like uh, like Dre, uh, Pharrell Williams, uh, just to name a couple. Um, Wait, Dre isn't like the rap artist? Yeah, Dr. Dre. Okay. And it's... Uh, just the production value on this record is incredible it's if, if i had to pick uh, the best produced album it would be it would be between this and uh billy eilish but wow uh definitely one to check out it's not i guess it's very different from the kind of albums you, you guys have been discussing but it's it's only about 40 minutes long and it's a great it's a great experience with a great uh, lineup of feature artists as well. Um, next up, we got a an instrumental album uh, by the much beloved Snarky Puppy. Uh, the album Immigrants. Yeah, I had that on my my loved list too. That was a really good album. That was a very good album. It's uh, Snarky Puppy always knocks it out of the park, though. Like they're just—they're really fresh and good. I love, I love what Yeah, absolutely. Doing. I still have yet to listen to their music. I, it's been on my list for so long. They are very. They're good. so good, and they're so fun to listen to. And just just their whole uh, kind of organization that they've got going on in terms of how they perform live and stuff. Like they've got a roster of about forty musicians who they will just kind of rotate on and off for every uh, performance that they do. But it's, yeah, this, this Immigrants album is, it hasn't disappointed. It's very, very good. I, I, yeah, I, I totally also agree. It was on my, one of my top albums for the year. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's one of my top Snarky Puppy albums. I would say, I would still say that the Family Dinner records and uh, We Like It Here and Culture Vulture are amongst my favorites still, but it's, it's by no means a bad album. It's a very good one. Next up, I was quite fond of the John Hill Project, uh, Rebirth. So this one with uh, features from people like Casey Crescenzo. And, well, to be honest... Was that this year? I believe it was, yeah. Oh my God, this has been a long year. <laughs> Which one? John, the John Hill Project, the one that had... Um, it had the guy we were just talking about, Donovan from Hail the Sun. It had Casey mm. on there. Oh, Jesus. Okay. It had Casey? Yeah. I, that must have been like really, really early in 2019 because yeah, that seems like it was forever ago. 11th of January. Yeah. Wow. 
it, it really has been a lot it of introduced years. me to a lot of cool vocalists uh it's it's a it's a really solid album so it's on my list yeah it's got some great vocal talent on it like i said donovan from hail the sun who i just kind of praised is really coming up in the the industry and casey of course is fantastic so it's really good very good album oh yeah casey produced this one right he did not produce this one he just did a feature wait this looks very familiar yes we i don't think he produced it i feel like i would remember that Hmm. i thought he produced it i don't know i think he just uh kind of featured on one of the songs yeah he had the, a lot of the features were by really prominent kind of indie indie music figures so hmm. it's it's definitely an album worth uh, checking out because it's almost like a compilation album of the best kind of indie vocalists at the moment hmm. yeah it's a really really solid album anyway that was the john hill project in case yes we didn't make that clear and then j-o-n and then kind of delving yeah. into the more pop side of things i'm gonna go ahead and say it. i quite liked the new Carly Rae Jepsen record, uh, dedicated. So did I. It was very good. Well, I mean, I, it wasn't on my loved list, but it was on my liked. But I really love Carly Rae Jepsen in general. Yeah, yeah, same. I think, uh, I mean, the 2015 release, uh, Emotion, is still my, one of my top produced records, I think. Well, she's just, her creative output, since she really got that uh, that one hit that was really big for her, she just, I, I feel like she struggled with the concept of fame, especially when she went through kind of with all, with the the iCloud hacks that she went yeah. through and stuff. I feel like she just really took that and, and used it. So she's, she's really doing some good stuff. I feel like she's the better version of Taylor Swift. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I never really got into the, the direction that Taylor Swift went into. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan of Dedicated uh, by Carla Rae Jepsen. It's, a, it's just a solid pop album, really. It's, uh, it's, very, it's very much worth listening to. And uh, I guess finally, I'll finish off with... Yeah, God, Rue, you've been going on forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll finish off with uh, another kind of pop band that's purely for my own nostalgia because they were my childhood favorite band and they happened to release a new album this year. Uh, it's a British band called Keen and it's their album Cause and Effect and it's basically just about uh, I mean, all of their albums are about a breakup, but uh, this one is is a bit more about a breakup when you've got kids and stuff. It's all a bit. It's not one to listen Am to I if you're happy. Because I I thought you were in a band called Keen. Oh no 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 no, God no. Oh maybe maybe I'm thinking of something else. I thought you were in a band that had a name similar to that. Yeah no no I'm not in a band called Keen as much as I would love to be. Well, I'll have to check them out, then. Yeah, I mean, I'll definitely check out their debut album. How, how do you spell it? Is it K-E-E-N or K-E-A-N? K-E-A-N-E. Oh, God. <laughs> That's too many letters. I've already given up. It, I mean, it's a good album, but it's... it's. I think the real magic is in their first two albums. Um, but just for nostalgia reasons, it's... it's. I've, I've been listening to it. It's not one to listen to if you're in a good mood, though. Because it would take you right out of it. <laughs> so well i'm always i'm always looking for a good sad boy album so i'm i'm totally down i mean if 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 you need a sad boy thing to listen to then keen is is keen will make you just too sad really listen of course yeah Rue's pretty keen on keen i'm pretty keen on keen that's a that's a good joke that i've that's, never that's why Rue's quiet so often because he's got keen playing in his headphones he's just horribly depressed and i'm just crying i'm 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 yeah. trying not to cry, man. That's why you never hear Rue during these episodes because he's got his mic mute, his mic muted to cover his sobs. 
Indeed, my, my, my British salty tears. <laughs> Are British tears any more salty than, than American Oh, ones? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the salt water and rain that adds to it. Yeah, it's, it's all the rain. Yeah, that, and makes, the... that makes sense. I don't know enough about tears to dispute it, so it must be true. But, yeah, what a year for music. What a year for music. Yeah, I, I had a great time. I mean, I you think I would have gotten burnt out by doing this challenge, but I discovered so much cool stuff. You did get burned out for like a couple months. Yeah, but like even that burned out was, was not enough to make me want to quit. Even though it kind of felt like a chore at times. Like, I'm, I'm glad I did it. And I, I listened to a lot of great stuff. And I my only regret is 100 gigs. I'm <laughs> <laughs> full circle. I believe this is the next ep- coming episode if the uh, Nick Solcedo episode isn't out yet. Um, but if it is out, then the next episode should be Act 3. If it's not out, then the next episode is Nick Solcedo. Mm-hmm. Um, we are booking some stuff for for this year. It's going to be pretty big. You know, big things yeah, coming soon. Yeah, we're having Kim, Car- Kim Kardashian on, man. I'm fucking stoked. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I love how you reached out and she totally read your message. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we reached out to Kim Kardashian and she, she wants to come on for uh, Act 5 episode. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that because that's going to yeah, be... She actually was uh, what All's Is All Should Be was written for. That's that's going to be interesting. I suspect that maybe uh, this is just Kanye being mad at us for listening to something that's not Kanye and he, he's doing this as a prank. Um, but, you know, mm. may as well give it a shot. Which, by the way, also the, the new Kanye album was pretty okay too. So. Oh, is it right? I gotta say though. 2019 was really cool i we got to start this podcast up and it's been super fun um i do appreciate everyone who's been listening and giving feedback and everything we've been working on some like a lot of big stuff behind the scenes that we're really excited to talk about you know an announcement for an announcement but um it's just been it's been really fun i'm really happy to be working with hunter and rude and craig but um it's it's just nice it's nice having these uh these really fun co-hosts to work with and to balance with and I'm really excited for the future episodes, and I'm really excited to hear what you guys like and don't like about the uh, Dear Apparition podcast. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, and I'm I'm also super excited to be working through. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> and b- both of you guys, of course. No, this is this has been great fun, and I I think we've only we've only got upward to move. I mean, although we're reaching the end of our Deer Hunter saga, and I suspect that's what most people are here for. We're like halfway, I, honestly. I really think we're hitting our stride and we have some really good ideas coming up for, for upcoming interviews and, and things to do past this. And I mean, I'm, I'm fucking stoked yeah, for it. Absolutely. So, I mean, if you, if you enjoy what we do, if you enjoy the things we say or think, or if you're just a mindless person who likes to listen to people drone on in your ear, we're perfect for it. And just keep listening. Absolutely. And if you, if you guys really, if you guys want to stick with us uh, as we venture beyond the deer hunter and to other artists that we are equally passionate about, then please come with us. If not, well, it's been great having you, and we're glad to have experienced this entire run through the Deer Hunter together. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to cry too soon because we still have yeah, some we, more have, we have a lot more there. to go. Um, but in the meantime, this has been our top albums, top uh, forty-two albums of twenty nineteen. Uh, yeah, our top three hundred for twenty nineteen. <laughs> so you can find all of our stuff over on uh, DeerApparitionPodcast.com. dot com. Um, I just wanted to mention that I just dropped a single recently, which wouldn't be so recent when this episode comes out. Uh, called umbra 3 o-m-b-r-e with roman numeral three after it uh please check it out if you uh have the patience for it and uh what about you guys do you guys have anything coming up you want to talk about uh Um, depression yeah post nice (laughs) yeah uh, no, nothing exciting. Uh, you can follow us in all the same places. Um, if you go to dot com, it has our socials there, or at least has our you Instagrams. You just click on our faces and we're good. 
Yeah, just find our dumb faces and click on Trickle them. over them. And, and smash the fuck out of And consume faces. the boring content that we put out uh, in, individually. Uh, but no, I mean, we, we would love to chat with you guys outside the show. Uh, although it may not seem like it, because sometimes we take a while to get back to you. But that's because we've been busy in the background. We're working on that. So if you want to reach out to us and talk about things concerning the show or just concerning any ideas you have, or if, if you just have a dream or a vision in life, hey, uh, throw it at my eye holes. I'll, I'll read it. And also just big thank you to Area 22 Productions for helping all this be a thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess with that, I mean, that wraps up this episode. Uh, thank you guys all for tuning in. Hunter, you got any final last words? Or maybe you, Rue, with your lovely British tongue? Eat your vegetables. Get eight hours of sleep every day. Drink lots of milk. And have a lovely milk? 2020. My, I will I will leave off with my signature catchphrase. Uh which I, I absolutely adore and try to live my life by, which is be gay and do crime. So what a meticulous catchphrase. Thank you. Have a great one. <laughs> <laughs>